Well, it's that time of year. That's right. Shedding all those thick clothes, long pants, sweaters, jackets. That's exciting, right? Finding the short shorts and the mini skirts. But some of us, it's like, eh, what happened during quarantine? Now, not all of us. We started the shape up a while ago. Once we knew we might be getting back out there. But we could always do a check-in, right? We can always do a check-in. For me, I usually eat about 70-30, I eat clean and then whatever. But right about now, I do clean up my act. Normally, it's not a set plan. It's just my own thing. But I was very intrigued. And I'm usually like someone's closed mind about, I don't like calling it dieting or eating ways of life. But this one that we're going to talk about with my next guest, Amy, the 30-day keto plan is off the chart which just goes to show you, keep an open mind. It is, I don't know if you want to call it clean keto or somewhat like keto or whatever you want to call it. It's not what I was familiar with. I mean, this is really amazing. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the biggest culprit, sugar, cutting out sugar, eating low carbs, eating healthy meats for your protein, and eating healthy fats. I mean, it is a healthy way of eating. And the book, the book is awesome. The recipes are great. And I just fell in love with it. So I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast. No matter what, I know you're going to have takeaways. She was awesome. And don't forget, support, share, rate, Check us out on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Any of your support. And until next time. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. Oh, have I been bending your ear? I am so excited about Amy Aristotle is coming on. We've never in all these years had anyone to tell us about keto. Can you believe it? I can't believe it's been this many years. But finally, I saw her book, The 30-Day Keto Plan, got inspired, and I had to reach out to the publisher and say, we have to have this young lady on. But before we bring her on, let me just tell you a little bit about Amy. She's a certified nutritionist and best-selling author of Almost Keto, The 30-Day Keto Plan, Woo! The Whole Pregnancy, and forthcoming Super Simple Keto. She specializes in ketogenic and gluten-free nutrition, as well as prenatal dietetics, hmm. and has helped over 3,000 people lose weight and get healthy. Amy's expertise has been featured in a variety of publications, including People, HuffPost, Health, Insider, Motherly, 
Well and Good and Consumer Health Digest. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Amy, this is so exciting. I know for you, you're probably like, Sandy, this is what I do every single day. But for our <laughs> listeners, when I said I had a keto specialist coming on, oh my gosh, I had so many questions that came through for you. So I'm excited awesome. for you to be on. It is, it is a hot topic these days in the nutrition world. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it, isn't it? It's probably one of these things you've been doing for a while and now we just caught up with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but before we get into that, I ask every single guest, if you were gonna just say a word that best describes your emotions, even though most of us, they've been all over the place, what would that word be? Oh For the my past gosh. 30 days, past 30 days, give us. In the past 30 days, um, optimistic. Ooh, good thing I caught you at the end of the year, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, th things seem to be looking up these days. And I mean, knock on wood on, on my end, everything has been, um, it's been a challenge, but somewhat smooth sailing. I, I say a challenge because I have a five-year-old who isn't in school. And oh. in addition to my, my writing and um, research, I'm also teaching a homeschool pod with four little boys. Oh. So yeah, so it's, it's definitely been challenging these days, but um, always a silver lining, just getting to yeah. work with them each day and to see their progress and to hopefully um, have things looking up with this pandemic. All right, so I need to just ask a little bit more because I'm not familiar with the homeschool pod. So is that something your daughter's in too? Uh, my son, yeah, my five-year-old son, he's, oh, he's part of the okay. pod. And um, I used to be a high school teacher way back when. I never taught little ones because I was too afraid, yeah, but yeah. Uh, a group of my, my mom friends here in Fort Lauderdale, they kind of came to me and asked if I would teach our pod of four boys, uh, the three of them are four years old and then my son is five years old. And uh, I said, sure, why not? That, that sounds great because they're not going to regular school and they need some sort of social interaction. Yeah. And they also need some structured learning even though they're young. So. Uh, they come to my place three times a week from 10 to 2, and we do everything from phonics and writing and simple math and art and science, and it's a blast. You know what? I would want to do that if my son was young. <laughs> my son is 17. I would want to oh, okay. do that. Yeah. 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 He's a, he doesn't need the pod learning. <laughs> now he's like, Mom, right. I got this. Are you good? I got this. He goes, you know, from his bedroom to the sofa. That's it. <laughs> That's the extent oh, so is, of the is virtual. Is he online day. right now then? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's pretty yep. funny, you know. Yeah, but anyhow, yeah, all right. So I want to start at the beginning. How, why, when did you get into keto? Well, um, long story short, about 10 years ago, my, my then boyfriend, who's now my husband and my co-author, I was oh. telling him. Yeah, I was telling him about my bad cholesterol. And I was actually diagnosed with really bad cholesterol when I was 22. Ooh. And I was, a, I was a normal weight when I was 22. I was still active. I'd played sports my whole life. Um, and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is just a, a temporary thing. I can, I can solve it. The doctor told me, nope, you're, you're going to be on statin drugs by the time you're 40. So then uh, when I was 29, I got the exact same news. Cholesterol had actually gotten worse. Once again, the doctor said, you're definitely going to be on statin drugs by the time you're 40. Mm. So my then boyfriend, now husband, said, well, you're eating all the wrong things. And I, I kind of stated the obvious. I said, but I'm not eating a lot of eggs. And he's like, it's not eggs. 
I said, I'm not eating a lot of bacon. He said, it's not necessarily that either. He said, you're eating standard American diet. You're eating cereal in the morning, sandwich at lunch, and pasta in the evening. And we all think that bad cholesterol is a direct correlation to how much cholesterol you're eating from foods, but it's actually a huge part of it is how much sugar and carbs you're eating from foods as well. Mm. So counterintuitively, he told me you should start eating more healthy fats, um, things like omega-3 fatty acids, so even egg yolks, uh, avocado, nut seeds, uh, healthy oils, and so forth. So I did all that. And I kind of took the out of sight, out of mind approach. And I didn't really go to the doctor for the next few years to get my cholesterol checked specifically. Um, I did end up losing weight that I had gained, even though I was eating more fat. Um, and then flash forward to age 38, I have a child. Um, my husband said, maybe you should get life insurance just as a safety net if anything should happen. So I said, oh boy, life insurance, they're gonna come to the house and take blood and I'm gonna have very bad cholesterol because I'm hitting that magic age of 40 where I need supposedly statin drugs. Yeah. So nurse takes my blood, results come, cholesterol's perfect. Wow. Everything's perfect. And wow. I know for a fact it's because of my dietary changes and ironically, I started eating more healthy fats and much less sugar and carbs. Wow. Were you so excited? Oh, I was completely relieved. Yeah. And it, it was just good to get that affirmation that everything that I'm preaching and writing about, it really truly worked for me. And I was told by three different medical professionals, you will be yes. on statin drugs by the time you're 40. And right now I'm going on 42 and blood works perfect. Wow. Okay. Bunch of questions that came out of that. Number one, what is your husband's background that he knew all that? Yeah, my husband has been studying nutrition just as a hobby um, since the, I'm going to age him, let's see, since the 70s. He's 62 years old, okay. and uh, he was a highly competitive uh, judo athlete, fourth degree black belt, traveled mm. all over the place uh, doing martial arts. So nutrition just kind of came alongside of his martial arts background. Gotcha. And, um even though he's 20 years older than I am, he's in much better shape and his blood results are amazing. So um, he's basically, ironically, the one who taught me how to eat, even though I'm kind of, I should be the younger, healthier one. <laughs> it sounds like it's a marriage made in heaven, you know? Oh my goodness. Most of the time. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, isn't that with everyone? Of course. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been great though, because then we started, um, doing books together, which that in itself has been a long and hard journey, as I'm sure you understand since you're mm. an author. And um, yeah, it's all worked out in an interesting way. So now your clients, were you teaching them keto for like how long? Um, I started doing nutrition consulting about 10 years ago. And okay. I actually, 10 years ago, I wasn't even into straight up keto. It's almost, um, it, it basically, it's, it's a term that we coined called almost keto and it's not as much fat and it's a little bit higher in carbs so that was basically always my approach but then I got into straight up keto as well because so many people are interested in the, mm. the straight up version but uh, yeah I started with clients about 10 years ago doing the overall lower carb approach and higher healthy fats. Oh so you weren't a nutritionist right out of school. No, it's not my background. No, I, I was a business major. 
So I, uh, when I solved my, my own kind of health issues with eating better and, and learning about nutrition from my husband, then boyfriend, it just inspired me to get into it. So way after the fact, I, I had a corporate marketing job and um, I decided to go back and take courses and become a certified nutritionist. Well, you know, that's funny that you're mentioning all this because my business partner, David Rambo, who was my partner in all my health clubs, he was diagnosed with diabetes when he was like 30, whatever, and put him on all this medication. And he was determined to figure out nutrition wise how to solve this problem. And within about a year of eating clean and eating healthy, and I don't, I think it was more, I don't think he had a label for it, you know, but paleo, he may be keto now off all medication, off everything and started a company because of that simplex health saying, listen, people out there, you know, you can change your life. You can live. There's ways you can do this without medicine. And he just wanted to show the world and his, you were driven by cholesterol. His was diabetes, you know, and I'm sure you've seen that with diabetes too, how much you've helped people. Of course, of course. And I mean, to take it a step further, what got me into writing books was pregnancy nutrition. Because when I was pregnant in 2015, I was getting, in my opinion, very bad nutrition advice from my own doctor. Ooh. The things that she was recommending would basically send me into gestational diabetes and not prevent it. So that's where my whole book writing adventure began because I said to my husband one day, I really want to get a pregnancy nutrition book out there to like the masses. I had already self-published a book a couple years prior. Nothing much came of it. I used it with my clients and everything, so it was a helpful tool. But mm -hmm. I wanted like a real publishing New York City deal where the book was on shelves. So I, I literally Googled one day how to get a New York City publishing deal and oh, just gosh. started researching the steps to take, getting an agent, writing a yeah. proposal. And I was documenting all of my pregnancy nutrition advice while I was pregnant and documenting my own meal plans and my own recipes and I put it together all in one manuscript, and then that's where my first book came from. Okay, so let's break up the pregnancy and the keto. Is the whole pregnancy, do you eat differently than if you're on keto? Do you eat differently? Yeah, I, I, I don't really recommend straight up keto for pregnant people. Um, pregnant women do need more carbs than what keto allows, but okay. my pregnancy book is gluten-free, um, and it steers away from six to 11 servings of grains per day, which is recommended for pregnant women still. Um, oh, okay. that, that sort of recommendation where you're eating six to, to 11 servings of cereal and pasta and breads and things like that, that's what's fueling our gestational diabetes pandemic. So um, gotcha, basically gotcha. this this book tells pregnant women, hey, don't focus on eating cereal just to get synthetic um, folic acid. You should eat Brussels sprouts to get naturally occurring folate. You know, it's crazy, you know? Isn't it crazy that you're saying, you think you go to your doctor and you must trust what the doctor says and you're like, wait a minute, this yeah. is not good for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was um, telling me, and you know, in her defense, she's just parroting all of the recommendations that are out there that are fueled by the USDA. Mm, and yeah. the USDA's primary interest is to um, gain more profits through farming and agriculture. So 
they make all these recommendations for the wheat industry and the milk industry and it comes through to the curriculum for dietitians and some doctors so they're just being parrots of this bad money-fueled science it's it's very confusing and I, I was saying that to someone because I got so many questions for you that were saying, I don't know who to believe, you know, they go to their doctor, they love their family doctor, then they go to a specialist and there's conflicting opinions on that. And then they mm -hmm. read an article online and they're very confused and they're overwhelmed and I don't blame them. You know, there's just so right. much out there and how do they know to trust? And the only thing I know is exactly what you said. The proof is in, I, I got to come up with a different term. The proof is in the pudding. Like, look what it did for your life and others' lives. That's what I right. like looking at. Right. I know. I, I have, I, I still have a lot of pregnant women reaching out to me through Facebook and, and wherever saying, look, I'm pregnant. I have gestational diabetes. My doctor is telling me to eat more whole wheat bread. Um, but your book is saying don't eat it at all. I don't know who to believe. So it's, it is, it's, it's always yeah. this conflicting advice. And I mean, essentially sugar is the main culprit for most of our issues. Sugar fuels heart disease, it fuels cancer, it fuels obesity and diabetes. And the problem is that processed carbs like whole wheat bread and pasta and cereal, those things all are high glycemic and convert to a lot of sugar. So it's, it, it, it's ingrained, in, no pun intended, for us to eat these grains yeah. because of the, the faulty food pyramid from way back when. And all that is is because of the wheat industry was paying money. And in 1967, Harvard scientists were paid off by the sugar industry to say there's no correlation between sugar and heart disease. Wait so a then they had to have a is new culprit truth? and it was fat. Oh, yeah. 1967. They were paid off. Harvard scientists. So if Harvard scientists are going to be paid off by the sugar industry, who knows what we're being told? Wow. And then that's messed up. Year, that's messed up. Oh, it is. It is. And then a year later in 1968, what happened because of that whole sugar, sugar gate, I guess I'll call it. Um, they started demonizing fat. So 1968, American Heart Association said, don't eat eggs. They're bad for you. Yes. You can yep. only have a maximum of three per week. Even though the fat found in egg yolk, it's filled with omega-3s, uh, which actually promotes good cholesterol. So those um, tactics to scare people away from eggs, they went on for 50 years. And those guidelines, those restrictions, I should say, were just lifted in 2016. Because mm. there's never been any research to say that egg yolks give you bad cholesterol. Mm. So it, there, it's, it's so convoluted and there's so many different details. It's, it's hard for people to wrap their heads around what is true and what is not. Yes. And I've heard people say, well, listen to your body. Okay. You know what I mean? That's really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> your yeah. body will tell you. And I mean, I, for some things, yes. I mean, when you mention sugar, first of all, I think most people agree doctors everywhere nobody disagrees you know that sugar is not great for you but what people don't realize is the sugar that's in other products not just you know right. your desserts and cookies and candies right. and all that stuff exactly so, and they're not thinking i, I of mean that. one of the sorry go ahead no they're not thinking of that you know no mm -mm. and one of the biggest misconceptions is we have all these labels now if you've ever been um like in an aisle in Target where it has all these bottled smoothies and juices. 
and they're promoted as health foods because it says zero grams of added sugar. But the problem is the natural sugars, no one's saying anything about that. So you have a bottled smoothie that has 68 grams of sugar in one bottle and everyone says, oh, well, but that's okay because those are natural sugars. It's not okay. Fructose is fructose. And when you strip all the fiber out of a, a ton of fruit and you condense it down into a bottle, you're basically, you have diabetes in a healthy looking package. And people aren't realizing that natural sugars, they, they need to watch out for those as well, not just, you know, added sugars. Yeah. Well, that was one of the biggest questions I got uh, for you is they don't understand how fruit could be bad for them. You know, it looks so healthy. It just seems like something so natural, like to satisfy, you know, your sweet tooth. How can they Look, if, not if benefit someone's by gonna, having fruit? If, if someone's going to eat an apple with the skin on it, because all the nutrients in the fiber, it's in the skin. And the fiber in the skin, it's going to slow down the, the rate at which everything kind of goes to sugar. Then it's not a bad snack. The, the problem lies where we get into smoothies and juices or we get into several servings of fruit every single day. Because our body, it can't decipher between fructose or sucrose. I mean, there are slight differences in the rate at which they absorb, but sugar for the most part to our bodies is, is sugar. And if we have too much of it in, it in any sort of form, it's not going to be good. And the problem is most people aren't just having like an apple for a snack and maybe a banana in the morning. Usually it's an apple and a banana and ice cream after dinner and maybe a soda here and there or a Snapple iced tea. So we just, we just start kind of compounding all of it together. I mean, people are, they're eating 71 grams of added sugars per day in mm. addition to about 100 grams of naturally occurring sugars. And no matter which way you slice it, your body is not meant to synthesize 170 grams of total sugars every day. It's not. Okay. All right. So, Amy, <laughs> are you telling me there's no difference if I'm sitting there going to eat a banana or I could go for the Oreo cookie? My body's not really going to know the difference? Well, the banana is going to give you some nutrients that your body needs. So the banana is certainly a better choice. But the sugar content and the carb content, it's, it's pretty similar. I know. I, and you know what I'm thinking of? All right. So forget, you know, the people like that you said, you know, they're eating this fruit, this fruit, that fruit, and then they're having ice cream at night. I'm thinking of all my health freak friends who make smoothies every single day. And, you know, I think, okay, I got my healthy protein, my pea protein, my vegan protein, but then they're pounding three to four fruits in that blender. Yeah, it's, it's, that's going to add up to a lot of carbs and sugar. But the thing is, if you have really health conscious friends that are going out of their way to do protein, protein powders and things like that, maybe that's their only sugary, carby thing that they're eating that day. And then, you know, later on, they're having some Brussels sprouts or a piece of fish or some yes, shrimp or absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. So you can certainly balance it. It's just that a lot of people don't balance it. They're doing the smoothies and then they're doing a big bowl of pasta and then they're doing um, ice cream after dinner. So it just kind of all starts to really add up. And I don't mean to demonize fruit at all because I think some fruits are excellent. Like I'm, yeah. I say go for it with berries like raspberries, yeah. blueberries, strawberries, because you're getting the most fiber to calorie profit in terms of the lowest amount of sugar as well. 
But when we get into just unlimited amounts of um, the starchier and more carbohydrate-ridden fruits like mango and pineapple and banana, and then we start adding that to, to other things that we might be eating like ice cream, yeah. then it just kind of gets to be too much. All right. So I have questions, but this one's even for myself because I do watch what I eat and I make my protein shake every morning. I do put the berries in, but you're saying... Like if I see, you know, all this leftover fruit that almost is going to go bad, I'll throw it in there. Don't do it. Like it, it could be too much because you don't need the bear, like a mango. Like I'll see mango, I'll see banana and I'll just put it in so I don't waste it. Yeah. I mean, I, me personally, I just try to stick with berries and I, I know that you might need a little bit of a banana to to kind of thicken up a smoothie, so maybe half of a banana. Mm. But yeah, I tend not to recommend throwing in all those different high sugar, high carb fruits. I mean, if you look up all of the nutrition data online and you add everything up, you might be shocked. I probably would be. Yeah, you could. You think you eat healthy, and then you go, "Wait a minute," because I'm thinking of the stuff that I might put in my shake. And here's the thing. I'm thinking of the benefit nutrition-wise, like the antioxidants that you hear, like this is good for that and this is good for that. Oh, yeah, I got to cross over because I want pineapple and pineapple's that. And oh, the, the, I'm thinking, Amy, the more the merrier. I mean, it, it's all, they all have really awesome nutrients that are important. So I'm not trying to demonize fruit at all because uh, you're going to get a lot of angry viewers. <laughs> but I'm just saying. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Choose the ones that are lowest carbs, lowest in sugar with the most benefits. Blueberries, yeah. raspberries, strawberries, yep. black, basically the berries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears here. Bacon, bacon, bacon. I got a lot of <laughs> questions about bacon. And by the way, yeah. you made my heart sing because I love bacon. So <laughs> why, you know, you, all right, so let's back up. For years, you hear limit the bacon, limit the mm -hmm. cheese, you know, just even for weight to reduce weight. So yeah. give me the whole deal on that. Okay. So when it comes to keto, um, keto works and it produces great weight loss results and blood sugar results because it's extremely low in sugar and low in carbs. That's okay. basically, I know they say, well, it puts your body into the metabolic state of ketosis, which yep, is yep. true where where your liver is gonna produce ketones and you're gonna burn fat for fuel instead of carbs. So basically it turns your gut into a fat burning machine. That is true, but the other big aspect that no one really talks about is you're eating a diet with no sugar and no carbs. So when mm. you go to from standard American diet where we're eating 250 to 300 grams of carbs per day, as well as 71 grams of added sugars, and you basically go down to zero, you're gonna see a huge change. Now, the problem, in my opinion, with keto is I do not promote and I do not like dirty keto. And dirty keto means a free-for-all of whatever kind of fat you can find. Free-for-all yeah. of bacon, yeah, yeah, yeah. hot yeah, dogs, pork rinds. I mean, it, that's a disaster. And someone will, they really still could lose a lot of weight and improve their blood sugar, but you really don't know what's going on with your heart at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. And that's why there are no long-term studies on keto saying it's safe. They say there, there are no studies that go beyond six months. So if someone's going to do dirty keto that way, you cannot do it for more than a few months. You, you could, I've known people who have been hospitalized for dirty keto. So that's not mm. something that I, I think is a good thing. The way that I 
tell people to do keto and it's it's a lot harder because it's less variety and it's more of the healthy fats. It's going to be avocado, wild salmon, um, grass-fed meats in a moderate amount, uh, nuts and seeds, olives, healthy oils, olive oil, avocado oil, maybe some mm. coconut oil. So it's not really the way that my book talks about keto. I say to do things like bacon in, in true moderation, maybe yeah. two times a week. Because in addition to them having the, the bad fats in them, they're filled with sodium, they're filled with nitrates, they're filled with additives. So I'm not really a fan of bacon and deli meats and hot dogs and things like that. Yeah. And I guess I love the way you call it dirty keto, because I think a lot of people that I know who have been on keto and they're younger, they're, I'm thinking of the kids I know, they're young guys in their 20s and they did lose a lot of weight. They were like, you can eat as much steak, bacon and butter and cheese as you want. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you, you can and you can actually lose weight doing that. I just I, I don't think it's healthy for the insides. Yeah. All right. So let's back up with what you said about grass fed beef and eating yeah. in moderation. So it's not like what the average person thinks where you're just can eat steak every night, like you said, wrapped in bacon. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's not the way I promote it at all. Um, it, ironically, my version of keto, which still falls in the macronutrient intake of about 5 to 10% of carbohydrates, you're still going to get three to four servings of green vegetables every day. Because green vegetables are extremely low in carbs, and you're going to get your fiber from that. So um, basically, I recommend three to four servings of the green vegetables, and then Something like grass-fed beef, I mean, grass-fed beef, it, it's expensive also. So maybe two, three times a week just to not overdo it on the red meat and, mm. and the pocketbook. But when you have grass-fed um, meat or wild game like venison, it's just so much more healthy than the standard conventional meats. The, yeah. the omega-3 to omega-6 fat ratios, they're more in alignment with wild salmon as opposed to beef. So if you can get the grass fed, then that's something that um, it, it's going to be your healthiest bet. Yeah. What about vegetarians? I have a couple of vegetarians and vegans that wrote in. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it Keto is hard to do if you're vegan or vegetarian. Yeah. A uh, little bit easier if you're vegetarian because you could formulate your food plan if you do eggs and cheese um, you could make kind of a, a keto-ish food plan, but you're gonna, it, it's hard to do. In one of my books, I actually have two chapters called Vegan Almost Keto, where I had a vegan nutritionist come in and Ooh. make all of her best recommendations. And I mean, even she said she really could not formulate a true keto vegan food plan. It was more in the almost keto range where almost keto allows 25% carbohydrates as opposed to 5 or 10%. So I think that you could still come up with a food plan if you're vegan or vegetarian that's going to be extremely low in sugar and low in carbs, so it'll be mm. almost keto. But I, I think the strict keto, it's, it's going to be too difficult for most. Yeah. All right, next big question. What do you think of milk? Now, I already read your book, so I know your answer. But what oh, do you think of oh, milk? milk? I think milk is pretty much one of the worst beverages you can possibly drink. So well. here, we're, we're going, <laughs> here we're going back to the, the USDA, uh, the milk industry. There's a ton of money in that. And the marketing, milk does a body good. We all know the slogan. 
And uh, milk is one of those things where, uh, without getting too descriptive, so cows, they're commercial cows are not treated very well. Um, a lot of them are sick, they're in bad conditions, so they're given antibiotics, medications, growth hormones. So all that stuff is in our milk. Now, someone might say, well, what if I get organic milk or the milk that has the label that there's no growth hormone added? Well, organic milk is still, it's organic, but it's organic to a cow. It, it's milk meant for a cow to grow a huge cow. It's not meant for, for humans. And the problem also with modern cows, well, it's, it's meant for a it, cow to grow a huge cow. I never yeah, thought of it that way. it's not meant to grow a human. It's not. Um, and the problem, and this is a little bit gross, it, and it's kind of mean, um, their modern cows, they like to use their pregnant cows. And they like to use pregnant cows because pregnant cows lactate even more. So they get more mm. money out of them. So the problem mm. with a pregnant cow is they have exponential amounts of estrogen and progesterone, and then we're drinking that. So um, this is why you're seeing a lot of little girls starting menstruation at a much earlier age. This is yeah. why you're seeing some little boys talking at studies showing kind of like breast tissue development. And it's because of all these hormones that we're drinking from pregnant cows. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I did yeah, not I know. know that. All right. Yeah. So the milk, we got that part. Then what about, like you said, if you're not eating the grass fed happy cow, you know, and you're just eating because you can't afford it. You're just eating you know, whatever yeah. you can buy. Um, I mean, in if you're going to do red beef that's conventional, a couple times a week, it's probably not going to be too much of a game changer. You can still go for, like, organic chicken is relatively inexpensive, organic turkey. Um, eggs are great. Um, wild salmon, of course, that's more expensive. You can get some shellfish, like little bay shrimp. Um, like I said, three to four servings of vegetables are allowed. Green vegetables are allowed on keto. So it could be a mixture of green vegetables, um, salads, shrimp, chicken, turkey, canned yeah. tuna, eggs. Okay. So are there, we went through fruit. We got that. They won't hate us. I promise you. We went through milk. <laughs> we went through cows. Are there veggies you would recommend staying away from? Um, you just can't do the high-carb, starchier ones that are more like root vegetables, like uh, potatoes and corn, any sort of a grain-based vegetable. So corn, potatoes. Um, and, and, and people that are strict keto, but like you said, almost keto, it's not like they can never have potatoes, but they just don't have them every week. Right, right. I mean, if you have like a, a small serving of some here and there, I mean, it, it could potentially throw someone out of ketosis. So here's the thing. If you're someone who is striving to remain in ketosis, uh, um, something like that could ruin it for you. But if you're someone like myself, I'm not strict keto. I'm almost keto. So okay. my carbohydrate intake is more like 25% carbs per day. Mm -hmm. And I allow myself some treats here and there because I'm not aiming at staying into ketosis. I just, I go for like an overall lower carb, lower sugar plan, and it incorporates mostly all keto type foods. I'm not really yeah. a big bread eater. I love bread, but I try not to eat it. Um, I don't really eat pasta ever. 
But, you know, if I if I want to treat like um, if my kid is having a slice of pizza, I, I might have a slice of pizza with him here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your book is the 30 day keto plan. So it was the whole idea is to stay in ketosis for the 30 days, at least for the 30 day. Yes. The 30 day will actually put you in ketosis. So that book is for someone who wants to do strict, straight up keto in a healthier way, because in that book also, I say, you know, you got to really be careful with the bacon and the pork rinds and the hot dogs and the deli meats. Yeah. So it gives yeah. someone a healthier option and it incorporates more fish and vegetables and things like that, but it will put you in ketosis. I actually had a nurse friend who, who tried it out and she was so curious to see if it actually worked where she bought the urine strips to, to show if yeah, you yeah, yeah. are in ketosis. And yeah, she said within a few days using the book, she was, she was in there. And is it something that almost everyone would benefit even just for 30 days? Um, if, if you're someone who has any sort of uh, blood sugar issue or you're just trying to lose weight, yeah, you're, you're going to see drastic results in 30 days. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say if, if someone has more than 20 pounds to lose in the first 30 days, you're going to lose at least 10 to 15 pounds because you're just going into such a drastic reduction of sugar and carbs. Mm. All right. For, now I got to go back, way back, because... Do you like cooking? These recipes are awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I do like cooking, but I will admit a lot of those recipes um, I, I don't have a ton of time for. Some of them are quite easy because the book is um, some of them have like six ingredients or less, but some yes. do have more. But um, I mean, for us, the way we cook dinner every night, it's very simple. It's like a piece of fish with two sides of green vegetables. And mm. as boring as that sounds, that's essentially what we do every single night. Could be a grass-fed steak, two sides of vegetables, piece of fish, two sides of vegetables, piece of chicken, two sides of vegetables. And we try to change up our vegetables and the ways in which we prepare them, but that's how we personally cook at home. But yeah, some of the recipes in there, of course I've tried them to test them out and see if they're good. And they're, <laughs> yeah. they're excellent, but you, you do have to spend a little bit of time in the kitchen. Well, I was thinking the opposite because I get a lot of amazing cookbooks and I get a lot of chefs on the show and I think they're great, but unless you're making them for me, you know what I mean? I'm not going to spend the time. And I tried some of your uh, recipes in here and they didn't take a lot of time. There are some oh, ones. Oh, good. That, yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad okay. to hear that. I'm what did you good, try? I'm not a good cook and it was... Um, the classic chicken salad. I mean, I know you're going to say it's not really cooking, but my friends who know me, I'm the one that brings the red wine. So let's keep that in mind. <laughs> all right. So I tried your uh, classic chicken salad, which everyone liked. And I tried the salmon with Parmesan roasted zucchini and it was easy peasy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of them are very easy and then some of them not so much. But yeah, you tried a couple of the easier ones. And, and yeah, the cheese. Oh, yeah. And then because it was right there and I love Brussels sprouts, cheeseburger with Brussels sprouts and the collie mash. Yummy, yummy. Yeah. And, and they're all right. My thing is, once you go to 20 ingredients, I'm out like you're like I can't. My brain just fries. And there's a lot right. that aren't that many ingredients. Right. Yeah. My um because of that, and because a lot of people think keto is really complicated, my next book that's coming out, it's called Super Simple Keto. It's six ingredients or less for every single recipe. 
So I know people really appreciate that because no one wants to, to spend that yeah. much time in the yeah. kitchen. I mean, some people do, but that's, I like eating healthy and I really enjoy food. I just don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And my right. husband, normally he will grill everything, like whether it's meat, chicken, fish, whatever, he'll go out in the smoker and grill it. And then I partner it up with vegetables and call it a day. All right. Yeah. Big question everyone wants to know. Big difference between paleo and keto. Um, so keto is mostly fat. You have to eat about 75% fat. Paleo doesn't have that sort of a fat requirement on it. Um, paleo is very low carb and that's one of the similarities. But paleo also does not allow dairy. Keto allows dairy. Um, so they're, they're essentially the same, but totally different. They're both very low carb. They, they focus on vegetables and quality proteins. Um, but paleo doesn't make you eat a ton of fat. So for that reason, some people prefer paleo. And I think it's just yeah. as effective, the overall um, plan. Um, gotcha. But yeah, the big difference, paleo, they don't allow any dairy. And a lot of people like keto because they can still eat their cheese and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and that was another big question was, are certain ways of healthy diets good for one person versus the other? And they were comparing like the Mediterranean one to the keto one to the like the ones that are known for like, OK, these are pretty healthy. Does, does it yeah. matter who you are and do certain ones work differently or is it more like, hey, it's your lifestyle and who you are, which one you prefer? Um, I would say it's it's more of it's your lifestyle and who you are and which one do you prefer? Because with, with all of those plans that you just mentioned, they're all relatively low in carbohydrates and sugars. So they're all going to work pretty much for anyone. Um, I, I know I know I keep saying this, but sugar is the main culprit. Sugar and yeah. carbs, that's what makes people gain weight. It's what causes diabetes. So any of those nutrition plans that you just mentioned that are relatively low in sugar and carbs, they're mm -hmm. probably going to work for almost anyone. It just really depends on the food preferences that those people have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I have friends that have gone back and forth amongst them all. You know, mm -hmm. they, depending on what, maybe they get bored, they've gone to one, they've gone to the next, they've tried mm -hmm. different things. And I think for me, I was really excited about your keto plan because it didn't seem... I mean, for me, it just something didn't seem right. I didn't call it dirty keto, but it didn't seem right that they could just eat all those fats, you know what I mean? Or go to fast right. food, like, okay, but it's still not nutritious, you know? It just no. wasn't making sense to me, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. I know that that's one of the most untalked about um, aspects of keto. It's, it's, it really can be unhealthy, which is bizarre because you'll lose weight, but it can make you so unhealthy. Yeah. So yeah. the best way to go about it is stick to those those good fats and stay away from McDonald's. I know a lot of people who do keto and they go through the McDonald's drive through a few times a week and get a bunless cheeseburger and say, oh, awesome, I'm losing weight. But it's, it's not good. I'm so glad you're saying that. And I, I mean, I know there's I have a bunch of uh, kids that I talk to and they're around, I don't know, anywhere from 18 to 23 boys. Maybe it won't mm -hmm. affect them as much. I, I don't know. You know, they can get away with it then. They're like, hey, this is what works. We need to drop weight for our sport. Hey, you know, Sandy, it can't be that bad. We can clean it up when we get older. I don't know how you feel about that. 
Um, I mean, there's some truth to that. It probably won't affect them at such a young age. Um, but it's also not a good habit to get into to, to feed yourself a bunch of garbage, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're probably right if they truly just do it for a short amount of time and they give it up and they change their ways. But they're they're forming habits right now. So I don't yeah. I don't necessarily know how you suddenly just change your ways when you're used to going to McDonald's and getting fast food burgers because th those things are are addictive the taste the chemicals yeah. that are in them so I don't I don't know how you give that up if you make that a habit for a few years yeah uh, it, it's difficult all right the moms want to know can they have wine oh yeah oh yeah um, I drink wine this is gonna sound terrible I drink wine every day <laughs> not every day but every every evening um, why did I wake up and have a glass of wine <laughs> yeah. and no. have my eggs? No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, so, no, every evening when we cook dinner, we like to have wine with our dinner. And I know there's this misconception that wine is packed with sugar, but most varietals are not. So if you're talking about Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, um, mm. Cabernet, Merlot, any of the, the non-sweet varietals, yeah, they have about one to two grams of sugar in each five ounce glass, and they have about three grams of carbs in each five ounce glass. So if you're going to have a glass or two of wine, it's not that big of a deal. You just made a lot of my listeners very, very <laughs> happy. So just forget the ice cream and the cookies, and they would rather have the wine. So we're in good yeah. shape here. All right. What the biggest problem with wine is inhibitions go out the window, and then maybe you'll have ice cream and cookies after the wine. I agree. That's the biggest problem with wine. I, I agree. If I have a glass or two of wine, I'm fine. But if I'm out and I have three glasses, in even in a course of five hours, I'm more likely to eat the nachos that are sitting there, you know, because I'm exactly. not caring as much. Yeah. All right. What about kids? Like you said, you have a son and he's five. Are you doing the same exact food for him? Um, he's he's certainly not keto. I would never recommend for a young kid to do keto. He's kind of like almost keto. Um, it, we don't we don't restrict any sort of carbs or anything for him, but he just he eats what we eat. So if we make chicken and vegetables and salad, he eats that. That's what he's used to. Um, of course, he's allowed to have treats. He has pizza every Friday with his homeschool pod. Um, he, he's allowed to have ice cream, and we have things like cookies in the house. But for the most part, for his main meals, they are going to be some sort of a protein and a vegetable and some healthy fat. Okay. So you said you wouldn't recommend keto for kids. Why not? No, I mean, it's, it's a pretty extreme regimen for anyone. I mean, 75 to 80% fat and kids, they're growing. They need more carbs than adults do. And they're constantly moving. Yeah. So yeah. a child is someone who can actually afford the carbohydrates and their, their brains needed at a younger age. So um, it's more of the adults who are sitting in an office job all day and not exercising at all that can get by on so little carbs. But yeah, no, not for a child. Gotcha. I'm glad to hear that they have pizza Friday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Every Friday a parent takes the turn on getting the pizza and, and uh, the kids love it. Okay, so at the restaurants, I know you said you're in Florida. Do they have on the menu, like, this is keto? Because up here in Philly, they'll have that. 
Um, some places do. I'd say it's more popular that it says like gluten free. So saying that there's no bread or pasta or rice. So it's mainly like protein and vegetables. Um, some of them say keto friendly on, on the menus. But for the most part, if you're going to do keto in a restaurant, you're more than likely going to have to modify the menu. Mm. Yeah. Um, so for example, if a meal comes with chicken and a side of pasta and a side of vegetables, you're just going to get rid of the pasta and replace with more vegetables and maybe ask for a side of avocado. Gotcha. And I just think this is awesome, by the way. I love this book. It, by the way, it's really pretty. It's so pretty. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, pictures, I think it's, it looks nice. Yeah, it really came out well. It explains it well. This came at a perfect time because so many people were writing in to me about they were going to do keto. And some of the things they were doing, I think, was what you were referring to as dirty keto. So I'm glad we're putting this out there. But we got to go. This has been so much fun. Do you mind if I asked you some fun, rapid-fire questions? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, what is she going to ask me? Well, we do it with every guest. You never know. No. They're fun. Amy, what is your favorite color? Pink. Pink. All right. Yep. Favorite food? Oh, so many. Um, one, I, I'd say if I could pick one type of food to have every day, it'd be sushi. Oh, sushi. I love sushi. Okay. Do you have any guilty pleasures you can tell us about or a show that you watch or you binge watch or anything like that that you like? Well, doing? I already told you that I drink wine every day. There you go. That's a guilty <laughs> pleasure. All right. You know what? That does count. All right. What would one of your favorite days look like from morning to night? What would you do? Um, let's see. Get up early, have my coffee, and go hit the gym. Um come home and either hang out with my son or do our homeschool pod, something like that. Um, go to one of my favorite restaurants for a tasty salad and mm. then get out outdoors somewhere, maybe walk on the beach or walk on our river walk. Um, take my kid to either swimming or soccer practice. And then when my husband gets home, we go to happy hour and have some wine and some dinner and that'd be about it sounds very lovely to me and relaxing, like ease and yeah. flow. Are you near yeah. the uh, ocean? Uh, two miles, yep. I say that's near. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that must be fun. Okay, if you were going to be an animal, what would you be and why? Oh, my gosh. Probably a bird so I could fly around. Oh, okay. Gonna... See everything. All right, what's something besides the wine that you can tell us about yourself that most people may not know? Um, hmm. Most people may not know. This is a tough one. Um, Could be anything. A hobby that people don't know you do. You're an opera singer. You know, you like to dance. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. Wow, you're, you're, you're throwing me for a loop here. Um, a lot of people have no idea that I'm deathly afraid of flying. Oh, there you go. All right. I fly all the time, but I'm deathly afraid. So, so you over, do you ever get hypnotized for it? No, I don't. I usually just, uh, you know, have the trusty wine and that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I do know people that have gotten hypnotized for it and they say it works like a charm. 
Just throwing Seriously. it out there for you. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll, if I give it a whirl, I'll keep you posted. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great hypnotists. You can do things online and they say, especially for flying, that's like flying and public speaking is the number one thing that people go to a hypnotist. So I think it's cool. Wow. All right. Last one. If I say the word universe, what does universe mean to you? Um, universe. <laughs> I mean, just the, the definitions coming to mind. I'm trying to think of something more. That's okay. Whatever comes to your um, mind. I guess just everyone and everything together. I'm not really sure how to answer that. No, I like that. I like that one. Everyone and everything together. It works for me. Oh my goodness, I forgot to ask this one question. And I, mm-hmm. I gotta ask it because if they're gonna kick my butt. As far as salad dressing, besides making it from scratch, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, um, so the easiest one, I mean, technically it's making it from scratch, but it's not making it. It's just gonna be oil and vinegar, a healthy okay. oil, like olive oil. Um, okay. But if you want store-bought salad dressing, you can definitely do that. Just you got to look on the nutrition label ingredients to see if there's no sugar and carbs, all the, the standard stuff. So as yeah. long as it's made from basically a healthier oil, hopefully, yeah. um, and very little sugar, you can still do store-bought. Okay. Do you normally use oil and vinegar? Yeah, that's pretty much all I use. Um, I also like, if I'm going to get store-bought, I like uh, Primal Kitchen because they use avocado oil as their base. Um, Primal Kitchen. Yeah, Primal Kitchen is the main store-bought salad dressing that I love. All right, cool. I was like, one of my friends said, make sure you ask her. And I was like, ah! Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. This has really been enjoyable. I love it. Tell them everything about how they can reach you and get your books. Oh, um, well, I guess on... The books are just on Amazon. So they're... And Barnes & Noble. They're just... there If you Google my name or just the book that they'll show up everywhere so um and then i have a facebook page too that i'm actually about to change the name of it so the new name of it's going to be eat to keep fit that actually was my original nutrition consulting name like 10 years ago and i'm going back to it so uh the facebook page anyone could reach out to me and ask questions it's eat to keep fit cool oh i like that all right amy anything i didn't get in that you want to say to everybody um No, I I think we covered a lot. I mean, I think really when it comes to to food and nutrition, just the the trick is just being moderate and sensible and not overdoing it on fast food and desserts and getting in your four servings of green vegetables a day, uh, quality proteins and some healthy fats. No one has to really be strict keto to get healthy. You can be just very moderate as long as um, you're kind of getting away from the whole sugar and high carb stuff. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, I like, I really genuinely feel more enthused when my friends now say they want to do keto. I'm going, and I can say to them, well, what kind of keto are you doing? You know, it makes awesome. me happy yeah. now, now that I understand awesome. it. Yeah. All right. My let's keep real people. I know there's so many people you're going to want to share this with, like it, rate it. Amy and I would really, really appreciate it. You know, go to Patreon, support us. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.